2: There's something uniquely American about organized sports. There's rules. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white. You, if you run out of bounds, you're out of bounds. It doesn't matter what college you went to or how much money, you know, the $15 million quarterback has the same rule as the quarterback that's getting the veteran minimum. Unless of course you're Tom Brady. And then there's a totally different set of rules when it comes to uh, a quarterback uh, unnecessary roughness. But for the most, part, rules are rules. And, you know, it, your, your physical ability is what, is what makes you elite. Your, your ability to control your destiny in the NFL. Injuries are, the, of course, the great equalizer. If you're fast and you work on your skill set and, and this is what you – it doesn't matter where you come from. Klutztown State, Andre Reid. Tell me an athlete who's come out of that college. Co-college you know we're french marv levy Levy. you're right but i mean it's a division three school you could go to brockport state and dominate division three football and make it to the nfl khalil mack is the most gifted defensive player in football he's from the university of buffalo this i mean you it doesn't matter where you come from what you look like when you're in a set of rules and you follow the rules the rule of law when you follow the guidelines all i have to do to judge you is 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 your performance and and that is what makes it it's, it's it's to me it's uniquely american you know like when you look at european sports and soccer you know there it's just there's a difference between american sports and the rest of the world i mean like soccer is one of the reasons why football in in europe is never going to take hold you know, the clock, I have to know when the game ends. You got to tell me. I don't, I don't want to just imagine how many minutes were wasted by people faking injuries. Tell me when the game ends. And a tie is something that really Americans have never liked ties. What do they say? It's like kissing your sister. Nobody wants to tie. We want to win. A winner and a loser. We want to have a a conclusion based on the, on the performance. You know, we have... Uh, uh, overtime and sudden death, and there has to be a conclusion. But for the most part, you know, it's it's that it, it's a it's it's a it's a set that my community and my town is represented by these athletes. And Buffalo, whether or not our economy stinks or people don't like our weather, it doesn't. Our team is what represents our area, and that brings me pride. It brings me together. It makes me want to hug, uh, you know, my county executive and my mayor. Even though I don't agree with them, we're on one Sunday, uh, you know, during the fall, every Sunday, we are one unit going out there against the rest of the of the cities of America. I love that. And having that taken away, it really stinks. You know, it's not fun, but I don't know how we, you know, Mike Baggerman has a story on WBN.com about what, how you go forward. What do you do when Buffalo's numbers are good, but Miami's numbers are bad? I mean, you know, we played a, a game in Detroit a couple of years back, the Scott Chandler shovel uh, touchdown game, because the weather was bad. We decided to go to Detroit and play a, a football game. What do you do for a fan base? I mean, the Pagulas are hemorrhaging money and they they're looking, they're saying this is the new way forward with, with uh, small market teams. I mean, what are we supposed, are we going to play our games in Toronto again? What do we do? I mean, that's a, that's a. It's a question to ask, I think, all the, all the different franchises. 803 930 616 wbn What brings us together? What do you want, that, a distraction that you don't have now? For me, it's sports. I think, Tony, it's sports. Joe, you know, if he's still there, we'll go to Joe and ask him what his distraction is. But there's got to be something that can bring the country and the region together. And professional sports has always been that. College sports have always been that. And and not ha- how are you going to go back to forty thousand people in a stadium if you're going to what we're going to take their temperature and swab their nose and find out whether or not they're sick or whether or not they can go to a game? I mean, you thought it was, you know, you thought it was a hindrance to have your bag looked through when you go through security. I, I mean, could you imagine having your your nostrils swabbed and your uh, your your forehead scanned? I mean, that, that's that's a lot to ask of security. It's a lot to ask of law enforcement how do we move forward and what is it that you're desiring that you've been missing for 90 days that will bring us back as a community as a country and hopefully make us a more perfect union we'll take your calls 803-0930 right after this quick break
3: hey david uh you asked what Keeps me happy, right, right before the break? Joe, yes. I'd like to hear from you, Joe. Yeah, you know, as you know, a huge sports guy, and I love baseball, as I said in the first hour, and what gets me through summer is looking forward to college football season. Everyone who listens knows I love going to the Tech games. My dad and I have season tickets. It's something I really look forward to all year, and the fact that that either won't be a full season or might be abbreviated. I mean, that is when that is when the happiness factor of me may start getting affected.
2: How much of, of the sports experience, though, has to do with the fans?
3: I think uh, for it depends on the sport. You know, we talked about this morning, uh, tennis, you know, the U.S. Open is going ahead in New York with no fans. For the most part, I don't think that will be affected until the final. I think those early by, rounds... By
2: I would argue that tennis has been going forward without fans for the last <laughs>
3: 70 years. Well, if you look at the price of those tickets, you know why, uh, but I think especially even more than the NFL college football, you turn on those sec games, Saturday afternoons, Saturday nights. I can tell you when Virginia tech plays either Miami or UVA or Notre Dame at, at lane stadium, that place goes crazy. It would not be the same if it's not packed to the brim. Now, I'd rather have the games than nothing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there is just a different feeling when you're watching a game or you're at a game with a packed house, a close game. Everyone's going insane. Uh, I mean, there will be something lost if you can't have that.
2: But, you know, I mean, just uh, Tony. a couple of years ago, Tony took his son to uh, a Bills game. And th- there's a picture on Facebook of, like, them driving into the stadium. Oh, the video I did. Yes. Yeah. You, but you see the cars and you see the fans and you, you know how excited I, I, when I'm traveling and I see a random person with a Bills hat in oh. like a fort like another city. I get so excited. I feel instantly that I have to like talk to that person. I don't even know where they're from, but they're a Bills fan. I have something in common with them, and I feel like I'm home even though I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That, that's like it, when you walk to a Virginia State or Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech game. And you see all these hokey colors and the maroon and and you're thinking these guys are they're they're on my side. This is these are my friends. These are this is what makes me happy is to support something. America used to be that you would see a flag and you would think this person loves our country. I love that we're all standing together for the anthem. Regardless of how we feel about each other or the world, we're in this together. This is what our country needs. And I just find it so ridiculous that while everyone complains about division, the things that could bring us together, they're going out of their way to keep, to keep from bringing us together. And when, when I hear Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving say that it's not appropriate to play basketball right now. What the hell? You're making, what do you mean it's not a, this is what your purpose in life is.
3: Yeah, you know, it it amazes me. They're saying, you know, we need this time uh, to get our, to have our voice be heard. Well, what better way than have the platform, the basketball game, to have your voice be heard? If you're not playing basketball, I I hate to tell you, uh, no no matter what the sport is you're playing, if you're not playing the sport, you're losing the platform that you say you have to stop playing for. Nobody cares
2: about you unless you're playing basketball, quite frankly. <laughs> exactly. No one's gonna, I mean, Dwight
3: Howard's not, you know,
2: no one's sitting around his, uh, uh, you know, Zoom meetings or his uh, Facebook, Instagram live because they, they care about what he has to say. It's because of basketball that they care about what he has to say. It's the respect he's earned because, and again, you know, when I'm lectured to, I heard about the one percent and the white privilege. I mean, you're a college, uh, you know, uh, uh, fan, Tony. You know the di- di- listen. There's not a difference between a college athlete on a full ride in college and a normal college athlete or a normal uh, college student. Of course, there's privilege. You're you're elite. They want you to come to their school. They're going to open up doors. I'm not going to ask the grade point average of the Buffalo Bills, but let, let's just be honest about that Wonderlick test, all right? <laughs> come on here. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had some Buffalo Bills that have IQs below room temperature Celsius, all right? But, but, but we, we love them because of what they did on the field, and they're a part of our community. But these guys get millions of dollars to play a game. That is the very definition of privilege. You're in the 0.1% and you're lecturing us about what it's like to be, listen, there is, if you're being treated differently because you're a multimillionaire in the NBA, there are things that you have that nobody else in this country will ever experience. And it's because you entertain us. It's because we love what you do to distract us. That's why we're watching.
4: And don't be fooled; these guys are pampered in college. Actually, that pampering probably starts in high school because everybody wants to, uh, you know, jump on that train to the professionals. Well, yeah, I mean, you, they, you they don't show was, up for class.
2: I mean, it, it's right. come on; it's
3: ridiculous. <laughs> What's great. your major?
2: Virginia Tech, right? If you look at the 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 fact that Michael Vick, I mean, regardless of you know the the guy was an elite generational talent, right? But after this whole dog, I mean, there's really nothing more horrific that you can do than systematically drowning dogs for fighting purposes. He was given a second chance. He was able to have a second chapter in his career and in his life. And it's just just shocking to me that we're automatically going to equate the average man and woman in the United States with someone who's, you know, is it fortunate? Is it privilege? What is it? You have gifts, you have an ability, and you entertain and bring us together. And now, at a time when we actually need a distraction, you want to sit one out?
3: Yeah, I, I will say oh, this. I will say this about Michael Vick, though, David. He did do his time to get that second chance.
2: but again, I, I agree. I, I completely agree. I'm just saying that it's it, we're, we're if you want to compare the average uh, African American that is dealing with. All of the things that we're being told and educated about on a daily basis and you're talked to, you know, you cannot, you can't have the messenger, the vessel of that message cannot be a guy who makes $10 million a year and who has 45 different, I mean, I don't want to hear from Floyd Mayweather, who's every picture in Instagram, he's, you know, he's literally shredding money on his cereal every morning and he's talking about how unfair it is for black men in America. Wait a second. Look at you! You're doing amazing. You're the example.
3: Yeah, you're. I mean, Floyd Mayweather is the example of you. Look where you can get. Look where anyone can get in this great country. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. Uh, if you, if you, in Floyd's case, put the work in, you can shred uh, your uh, money over your cereal in the morning.
2: There we go. That is the that's the takeaway message for today. Hey, we're gonna come back. I want to hear more about what brings us together, why these things are so important, what the civic pride is, your own self-esteem. These are the things that make our country great. These are things that we've missed for 90 days. 803-0930. We're gonna hear from you, we're gonna get your calls. We'll hear from Joe, we'll hear from Tony. All the it, it is company. It's Sandy Beach and Company. Sandy's off. I'm in for him. Welcome back to the program 803-09-30 sandy beaches off i'm david velvia i am in i got tony caligiri i got joe beamer you know i was thinking during the break gentlemen one of my favorite buffalo bills is and i leotis mckelvin okay leotis mckelvin will never be confused as a chapter president of mesna <laughs> troy <right>?
4: university
2: <laughs> but this was a guy that I just I loved him. I loved the way he hit, he fumbled against the Patriots and everyone, all the idiots went after him and, and but the community embraced him, the team embraced him. Do you, do you guys remember the bill that was a defensive back? He had a great preseason one year. and he and in an interview, he had a, a stuttering problem. And everyone on the national media made fun of this guy because he couldn't communicate properly. And they all goofed on him and the radio shows all over the place. But our our radio show at WGR, our Buffalo media, the Bills and Western New York, we embraced him. It was like, how dare you? This is this is our guy. And yeah, he he stutters, but who cares? He had a great game, and he's he's a really good kid, and he's working hard, and he's doing all this stuff. And you know, even you know the Richie Cognito issue. You know, th- th- that we've had people in on our teams that you know they're knuckleheads. I mean they, they they've screwed up, they but they were ours. and And it's such a it, it's so unfortunate that now, in a time where everyone's in their own little box, now is the time that sports is really needed more than anything, more than I need a movie, more than I need entertainment. I need buffalo entertainment. I need ambassadors of my area that are white, black in between, and I need them to represent Western New York, and I want to see a reason. Where I could go up to someone who, you know, was in a march that, or was screaming about something, telling me that the president is a is a Russian spy, I need to high five that person because the Bills beat the the Patriots. I need that more than anything, and for everyone to continue, especially in the in the in the the hijacked, to use Black Lives Matter, Goodell's, let's protest the flag, let's further divide. Let's go out of our way to make millionaires happy about about their social justice and whatever they want to, to you know, whatever agenda they want to push. It's just it's just cruel. It seems like it's cruel. What, 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 is, what is your opinion on that, well, Joe and, and Tony?
3: David, first, the player I believe you're talking about is Ellis Langster from West Virginia. Yes. Yes! I loved him. And uh, first, you know, you talk about sports bringing everyone together. You know, and how you want to high-five the person that was probably... uh, at an anti-Trump rally or completely disagrees with you on politics. And I feel the same way, but I feel there are people out there and they will probably answer the poll that they are the unhappy uh, on the unhappy side of things uh, that no matter what, don't want to high-five you just because of your political opinion. I talked about this last week. I had a friend who I hadn't talked to in years, David, years, text me out of the blue telling me they could no longer be friends with me because of my political opinion. They wanted to end a friendship, again.
2: That you haven't haven't maintained for 15 years. Yeah,
3: a a friend from high school. So yeah, 15 years. And again, I hadn't probably talked to the kid except for maybe a, hey, look, I'm at Notre Dame for the Tech game uh, in months and came out of nowhere and said, I I can no longer be friends with you. So I I think this lack of sports and again, lack of social social interaction with each other, it's gotten to a point where there are people out there who just because of where you stand politically... They no longer want something to do with you, and uh, that makes me really sad. If that gets into our "who I'm going to high five when the Bills score a touchdown,"
2: I mean, have you, Tony? When you're at, I mean, first of all, high school sports, and especially when you're te- when you're coaching young people, parents get worked up. I mean, <laughs> you're they, telling they me <laughs> they go, they go crazy. They go crazy. Everyone no, stop. Their son is the next Matt Harvey. Oh no, it's a Mets reference. Oh, but thanks. But everyone, everyone think. <laughs> Everyone thinks that their kid is going to go to the pros. And, and, and it's, it's, it's those moments, right, where you, you almost can get a bad taste in your mouth about organized sports. And at some age, you have to tell you know, young people, you know, it, it is about everyone participating, but we're at, we're at the age now where it's really, we want to make sure that, that people that have skill can, can, can continue to get better. I think what you're seeing outside in a lot of these protests, that trophy generation of everyone gets participation. I, I think they're now adults. And, uh, and, I, and I think, a and lot they of were never spanked, just, but, but seriously though, a lot of people have never been told, Hey, you know, I mean, I, just the platforms and what's coming out of, of a lot of these people just, it, it, it makes you scratch your head. And, you know, when, you know, I, I look at baby Joe messy, it was as a Buffalo guy in the army, you know, I didn't have any representative of Western New York being a tough guy. And Baby Joe, for me, at a national level, this guy was from Buffalo, and he was slapping people around all across the – in heavyweight boxing, Baby Joe was like – I put this guy on a pedestal. I loved him. He represented Western New York. He was tough. He and he's was a good guy. smart. He's a wonderful guy. But, he, but he, was, he was Buffalo on a national stage, and he was showing that, man, we could be boxers too. We could do all of this you know what do you have if you went another 60 days without sports Oof. i mean what is going to this to me it brings the country together it brings the region together and I think we're we're I think we're a, a, a lesser nation for not having something to bring us together right
4: now. Dave, I, I look at it this way: there are three things that I believe bring people together, and I think sports is one of them. Although I'm starting to see sports slipping. Uh, you mentioned uh, people's behavior, at uh, especially in my level with youth football, uh, they're absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, Nick decided he wanted he didn't want to play last year he wanted to be the team manager well he lasted through about halfway through the season and he said dad i can't come to the games anymore because i can't take the parents uh swearing at you and and calling you names and i understood that okay and you know he wanted to get back into playing this year so i think sports has kind of moved down to third for me and i think that the two things that uh are ahead of sports as far as bringing people together food and cars those are items that everybody can relate to uh there are if you look at cars there are people who are into you know the, the the muscle cars like i am the classic customs there are people who are into the european cars or they're into uh like the nissan gtrs things like that uh, i saw
2: your facebook post the other day you, you said if you could have five cars right what car and and you put out i didn't even i don't even know what they i thought they was were like serial numbers i didn't even <laughs> know that they were actual vehicles but, but again, I could have listed
4: ten easily uh, that, of, of vehicles that I love, and you know, and it's one of those things. You go to a car show, you're going to see everybody out there from all walks of life on Thursdays across the street uh, from the radio station at the Anchor Bar on Maple and Sweet Home. There's a bunch of guys that get together. I think it's a car club. Uh, I went out a couple of weeks ago, and I got to see. it Was like, oh. Thankfully, something like this, and people were gathering, people were coming off the streets, they want to talk about the cars, they want to ask questions. Oh, that 67 Buick Riviera, tell me a little bit about it. These are things that bring people together. And we need more of it. We need the car shows. We need food events, things like that, where people can get... You see people, talk, They're you know, in sports, two people uh, sitting together at a bus stop, and if one has a Bills jersey on, guess what? They're going to get into a sports conversation, and they're going to enjoy each other's company.
2: Yeah, listen, I, I one of the things that, you know, I, I know politically when it comes to the guys over at WGR, I, I mean, it's obvious that I don't agree with, you know, Jeremy White, Chris Parker, these guys, bulldog, all these guys out there, you know, Howard Simon. I love those guys. I love them as people. I think they're outstanding men. I think they're they're wonderful husbands and fathers. Uh I I really respect them and, and I consider them friends. I really do. And and when i hear them you know criticized for having a political point of view because they're sports people it's really it's insulting to everyone on radio You should be able to speak your mind and say whatever you want to say but there is something missing when you're not able to you know talk about the things that are so special about buffalo it's like they took away our beef on wick and chicken wings i mean this is a part of our culture this is a part of who we are and I don't know how we go forward if we're going to look at uh, you know political people and medical people that are going to tell us, well, it's going to ebb and flow. and you know there's a, a bad case of uh, trench mouth, the trench foot going around, and we're not going to be able to go to a Sabres game. Uh, you know it, it it hurts. It hurts. And I you know, remember when when we had the plane crash in Clarence Center. I mean, that Sabres game was more important than any press conference we had. Oh. That that national anthem after we lost those people in Clarence Center was one of the most important times in Buffalo history, and it was it was mourning, it was healing, and it was about uniting, and I just I don't know if it's ever going to be the same, if if we're going to artificially delay
3: this. Let me tell you, David. That is one night I will never forget. The feeling in that building, just even before the game started, and then as you mentioned, the national anthem in that game, and then obviously Revey tying it late in the third, and that overtime goal. I, I mean, it, that building went from so silent with with people's emotions. It, it was so. It was. So silent you could hear a pin drop, and the only thing I could compare it to is when Richard Zednick took a skate to his neck. Um, but that—that wow, that, night... that brings the sun out. <laughs> <laughs> but that night at the arena, let's bring up Millard while we're. I was
2: just going to you know? say that. But I mean, it was. What is wrong with you? It, I'm the only just. I can compare that is the Daniel Pearl beheading. That was another time I felt. <laughs> I'm great just saying, there, Joe.
3: That building, it, it was so quiet, and, and you know, no one was talking to each other, and, and that game really brought together a community that was in pain from an event that happened just 24 hours before it.
2: You know, I, I love, uh, the, one of the things I, I always have a special part in my heart for, Craig Reve, famous Montreal Canadian, uh, was a, you know, just a legendary hockey player, always looked up to him. He becomes a Buffalo Sabre and he he lives in Buffalo. He's now a part of our community. You know, all these guys, uh, you know, like Thurman Thomas, living in Buffalo is so important to just to me that, that, you know, that these guys, they make millions of dollars. They could go anywhere. He, Thurman Thomas can't walk in, in Oklahoma. He's a legend. He's a hall of famer. And, and he chose Buffalo to live. Jim Kelly, they, they lived here. These Sabres that are from all over the the world, they come to Buffalo and they stay here and they're a part of the community. And that, that just, I, I, that just is a huge, huge morale builder. We need this now more than ever. And I think if you're gonna say that protesting is essential work, we've gotta find other essential work that brings us together and stop talking about, you know, Aunt Jemima and the Dukes of Hazard and Paw Patrol, and get back to what makes us a community and puts us together. We're gonna to take one more break and then it's your calls, 803-0930, 616 wbn You could take it all the way to the end of the program with your phone calls right
3: after this quick break. And David, someone mentioned this on the text board. I thought you'd enjoyed it real quick, Speaking of the bills. Vlad Ducast.
2: <laughs> that was the best. I missed that so much. I love that. I love her. I think she's hysterical. But Vlad Ducast. That Vlad
4: wasn't Dukas. Beth Bowens, is it? Yeah. Oh, I can't stand <laughs> <That> her.
2: <wasn't. laughs>
4: I've got a fake deep voice.
2: <laughs> that was really funny. Hey, here's something that's not funny. Uh, But this is breaking news. Uh, We're finally uh, finding out a little bit more about Ray Brooks. He was the guy shot in the Atlanta uh, Wendy's parking lot. Uh, Again, there are a lot of rumors out there, but this is breaking. It's over the AP wire. Uh, Mr. Brooks uh, was on probation, uh, and he was on probation for four crimes that are pretty serious. One was false imprisonment, kidnapping, simple battery family battery and felony cruelty to children he was tried in clayton county in georgia he was sentenced to seven years on the first count and a year in prison with six years on probation 12 months for each of the other three counts they were going to be served concurrently now there was a change in georgia law and his sentence was revised he was sent back to prison for just a year and in 2016 he violated the terms of his probation now this guy has been um, hasn't been in trouble since December of 2019 when he went to Ohio without informing his probation officer. A warrant was issued for his arrest. He went back to court on January 6th of 2020. And again, because of Georgia laws, that was revoked. So he didn't go to jail after breaking uh, his probation. What's interesting is that the, the his the mother of his children... Is the one saying that this was the nicest guy in the world that loved his children. She's the one that filed all those charges against uh, Ray Brooks. Uh, And just to let you know why he decided to probably run, the DUI would have given him a mandatory sentence. Uh, He would have gone back to prison without a doubt. Uh, because this would be the third violation of his probation. And again, those counts, those charges, what he pled guilty to, what he was tried for, those are very serious counts. So what went into the mindset of Ray Brooks, we have a little bit more information when those handcuffs went on there, probably the realization that, you know, you're going to jail now. Uh, and so that that is now out there. It's now on the wire and you can look it up yourself. Uh, but again, just a, a really sad situation across the board. But you could make the argument that, you know, without these, you know, changes in bail, how many people, by the way, that are got that got arrested for thuggery on the streets during these uh, these peaceful protests that turned into riots and and stolen property, broken damage, uh, you know, structure fires? How many of these guys were released because of COVID? I mean, how many tens of thousands of inmates were put back on the street because of the fear of COVID? And then you've got bail reform and all these other things. I mean, honestly, had the laws not been changed, Ray Brooks is still in jail. And had the laws not been changed, I mean, you have to, these are legitimate questions. If we're going to have a dialogue, let's have a dialogue. Uh, There's really no reason for you to ever grab a taser, to fire a taser at a cop. Uh, Again, anyone who's trying to use the the Michael Brown or the Ray Brooks. I mean, the, what happened to George Floyd is this is a completely different situation. I don't care what George Floyd did, and I don't care what, what kind of person George Floyd was. If he had COVID, if he was on drugs, what happened to George Floyd is, is repugnant, unacceptable. Uh, but these other circumstances just aren't the same. You can't talk about Michael Brown in Ferguson, uh, you know, Missouri, and say that that is police brutality. If someone is bringing that up to you, it's a disqualifier. They're not a serious person. Hands up, don't shoot. What you saw Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats in Congress, all the members of the assembly, hands up, don't shoot. It never happened. Witnesses that actually were supporting Michael Brown have said He never put his hands up. He never walked away. He was not shot in the back. Michael Brown, if you look at the defensive wounds on Michael Brown, they're on his hand. He was trying to commandeer a weapon. And even Obama, President Obama and his Justice Department, led by an African-American attorney general, determined that Ferguson Police Department's only sin was their lack of diversity. They didn't come out and say that Michael Brown was a victim of, of police brutality. We're hearing all of these people being brought up and lionized and put as hero worship. They're not Megar Evers. They're not Dr. King. You know, these were men of, of, of peace who, who died because they had the courage to stand up against a, a racist, bigoted, systemic system. And, and they lost their lives because of it. These other folks that we're throwing out there and using as names to, you know, a reason why we burned a Wendy's. By the way, the Wendy's was burned by, by white people, Marxist Antifa people. So, you know, just putting it out there, you judge for yourself. I appreciate the opportunity to fill in for the great Sandy Beach. Thank you, Tony Caligiri. Thank you, Joe Beamer. We will talk again real soon. God bless, stay safe, and let's get back to normal as soon as possible